Hello church, it's good to see you this morning, although I can't see you, hopefully you can see me well, and it's good to come and bring the word of God to you. Um, if you haven't realised, I'm in a familiar location to many of you, I'm at Elton Green Community Church uh, on the stage here, and just I thought it'd be nice to come and preach this morning in a familiar environment, an environment that I'm able to kind of just launch myself a bit more, speak a bit louder, uh, without interruption. And so it's a good opportunity to come and share the Word of God with you today. Uh, before I start, I just want us to come and pray together that we might just have our hearts right before God. So let's pray now. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your Word, and I just pray for your help for me today, that you would help me to share your Word well and uh, as you want it to be spoken and I pray for all of us that we would have open hearts to receive from you uh, the thing that you want to speak to us. So give us open hearts. And I just thank you, Lord, that no matter where we are today, no matter what's going on, that you are with us. And, and we can just draw near to you, Lord, as you draw near to us. And so I just thank you for that truth. And we come and entrust ourselves to you this day. Amen. Amen. So I don't know how things have been for you over the past kind of six weeks, seven weeks. Um, for me, they've been pretty busy with work. I've been working at home, obviously. Um, kids have been homeschooling. Thankfully, Louise has been able to take most of that burden upon herself, but my work has been still really busy. Um, and what you realize in this time, it's still really important that we take time aside. We take opportunity to come away uh, to put down the work, put down all the other maybe pressures that we've got and just seek the Lord, spend time with him. In some of this time, what I've been doing is just reflecting on kind of what's God been saying. We can often think what's God saying now, but I was thinking, well, what has God been saying in the past that we need to reflect upon and, and learn from as well? And so I was looking back through some of our old sermons and um, one of the common themes that we've talked about over the many years, actually, is this idea of being sent, that we are a sent people. So we look at Jesus, that he was sent by the Father to the earth um, to die for us, um, that we might know him. And so he was sent, and in the light ways, he said, now I'm sending you, and he sent the church. So this idea that we are a sent people. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, but how does that relate to our situation right now? That we're a sent people, but... We're in lockdown. And how can you be sent when you're in lockdown? It's a bit of an anomaly. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was thinking it's really important to think about that. And so my, my title for today is really Being Sent When Lockdown. And so I'm going to look through the scriptures, look at some examples of what this might mean for us. So first of all, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Uh, and this is to a, um, a familiar story. And it's about Paul and Silas. Um, and this is a story when they were in prison. And so we're going to read in the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 25. And it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone bonds were unfastened. So you had this situation, Paul and Silas, 
and it wasn't unnatural for Paul particularly that he'd been beaten, he'd been locked up, he'd been imprisoned. And so he was in this desperate situation in many respects in prison. And so what were they doing in this situation? Were they sitting there moaning, going, oh, this is terrible. These chains are so tight. My belly is so hungry. Uh, this is so uncomfortable. Were they saying, God, where are you right now? Where, you know, have you forsaken me? Where's God in this situation? No, they weren't doing this. It says that they were, were praying and singing hymns to God. And not just under their breath. They weren't just saying this very quietly, you know, just so only they could hear it to each other. But they were doing it in a way that everyone in that prison cell could hear them. And you think, I wonder what some of those other people were thinking. Were they thinking, who are these guys? They're locked up, yet they're praising God. Like, how can they do that? Because in some respects, when we're in these difficult situations, we might actually think, oh, I need to keep quiet about God, because people might think that God is not powerful because I'm in this difficulty. We might almost be ashamed of God in some respects, or not want to, you know, the word behind me is, is glory, that we think, actually, God isn't glorified if I'm in difficulty. And so we can sometimes think, I need to, in these certain times, in times of difficulty, I just need to keep quiet. But this wasn't what Paul and Silas were doing, that they were singing and praising God out loud so that others can hear. And we read about the effect. The effect was that the chains came and they were unloosened. The chains broke, not just for them, but for everyone else in that situation. We can be in these difficult situations where we feel maybe in prison, but the reality is for Paul and for Silas that they weren't captive. They had chains around their wrists, maybe chains around their ankles. Who knows how they were locked down. The prison door was shut, but they weren't captives. And so some, a really important point for us this morning, for us today, is that our situation doesn't define us. Our situation doesn't define us. It's argued that, you know, perhaps Paul and Silas were the most free people there because they knew that it didn't matter about the chains around them. If God wanted them released, they would be released. If God wanted them in chains, they would be in chains. They were not under the compulsion of the Roman guards or the Philippian jailers. They were under the compulsion of God, and God had them really where he wanted them to be. And they were humbled themselves to this. And we read about this elsewhere. We read about, say, Peter, when he was imprisoned, and suddenly an angel appeared to him and led him out. And he thought he was asleep. He thought he was dreaming. And then suddenly realized, wait a minute, this is real. And he was released. The situation wasn't impossible for God. Um, and there's a similar kind of more modern story. Brother Yun, who was in prison, and a similar thing happened. And God said to him, arise and walk. And he couldn't even literally walk at that point. But somehow he had the ability to walk and go through doors that should have been locked when they were opened. And, and so God was never restricted by the situation. God is never restricted by the circumstance. But God is still in control. And so Paul and Silas knew this. So they knew they could just continue to praise God. They were free in their chains. And those weren't the things that defined them. I want us to think about somebody else. And it's one of my, my namesake, Daniel. And so if you don't know the story of Daniel, Daniel was a young man um, in Israel and the Babylonians came and, and defeated Israel and overtook it. 
And what they did was they ex exiled the, the cream of the crop. They, they took the cream out of Israel and moved them to Babylon. All the young men, the academics, all those kind of people. And they took them to Babylon. So Daniel was somebody who went from his homeland captive into exile into Babylon. And, and so you think, well, what was he like in that situation? And there's a verse in the book of Jeremiah. So we're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. And this verse really defines the attitude that Daniel had um, in this situation. And so this is Jeremiah 29, verse 7. And Jeremiah is speaking to these people, to the exiles. And he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so the instruction to Daniel and to others around him was to seek the welfare of the city. And so perhaps you can find yourself in a situation where you think, I don't want to be here. You know, this isn't right. Why am I here? This isn't what I planned. This isn't what I thought was going to happen. And you find yourself somewhere where you didn't mean to be. And God's instruction was seek the welfare of that place. And so Daniel could have just said like, right, keep your heads down, boys. We're just going to see this through and hope, pray that God will deliver us at some point. But that wasn't what God was saying. He was saying, seek the welfare of that city. And so Daniel did that. He used his skills to bless those around him. And it's important to see as well, it says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Because again, sometimes we can think, oh, I'm in a situation, the devil's at me, the devil's put me in this situation, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. But God was saying, no, I have sent you. I have sent you. I'm sure God would have much preferred that the exiles or those in Israel would have repented and believed and followed him. But they didn't. And so there was a consequence to that. And this was the exile. But it didn't mean that God wasn't in control of that situation. He was still in control and he had a plan and he had a purpose in what he was doing. And we read about this in the book of Daniel, if you want to go read it. And it talks about how Daniel sought to bless those. So he was using his skills and he, was, he helped the, the rulers. He, so in one situation, uh, the king had a dream and Daniel came and he, he um, interpreted the dream for the king. And so he was helping those who, in a sense, could have been seen as enemies, but he was trying to bless them. And so he was doing that and found favor as well. And he, just as it says there, he found his welfare. Um, even though there were times when he had to stand his ground and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so famously, we read about Daniel being in the lion's den, thrown to the lions, but they didn't um, overcome him. They didn't, um, they couldn't eat him. And so... Yeah, Daniel was somebody who um, wasn't overcome by the situation, wasn't overcome by the geography, but actually by continuing to serve God, he was able to prosper in that situation. Maybe, therefore, we can think about our situations. When we're in these difficulties, when we're in times of trial, when we're in times of difficulty, when we're in places we never intended to be, what does that mean for us? So when we think about these things, when we think about these examples, there are three things I want to speak to us this morning about 
what doesn't change in these difficulties, what doesn't change in these situations, and how we can still be the people of God in these situations. And so the first thing I want to do is read to you uh, from the book of Peter, and this is on the point, and this is my first point, what doesn't change is who we are, our identity. And so turn to the book of Peter, and the book of Peter has been really interesting. We've been looking at the book of Peter as a community group uh, together. We just finished that. And the book of Peter was written to a group of people who I think are very much in a very similar situation to us today. They were a group of Christians who had been exiled out of Jerusalem and they found themselves in difficulty. They found themselves in this position where they were wondering, God, what's going on? Where are you? What are you doing? And Peter was writing to them to encourage them, keep going, keep persevering, keep looking to God, um, and don't forget certain things. And so one of these we read in chapter 2, verse 9. And, and Peter is reminding them about who they are. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You are a chosen race. Because sometimes we can be in these situations and we think, oh, it must have just been by luck. I must be, you know, how did I find myself here? How did I find myself in this position? But God is saying, no, I've chosen you. I've predestined you. I have a purpose for you. You've been plucked out and I've chosen you for this time. We think about someone like Queen Esther, chosen for such a time as this. And God is, we are a chosen race by God for his purpose. We are a royal priesthood. Again, so we're not just a nobody. We're not just, um, you know, I sometimes think, I've, I've, man, I, I've just scraped in by, by the skin of my teeth. I've just made it in. I, I can sometimes feel that way. I can feel like I'm nothing. But God is saying, actually, will you... In some respects, yes, but in some respects, no. You are a royal priest. You are a priest of God. And maybe, you, I don't know what situation you're in right now. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're just on your own. Who knows what you're doing? But God is saying to you, you know what? You're a, you're a royal priest. That's who you are. You're a holy nation. That means, again, we've been set apart for God. Because in this situation, maybe you feel set apart just at home. But the truth is, you are still in a position where you are set apart for God and for his purposes. And so a people for his own possession. But you are God's. You are God's. That has not changed. You are still God's. You are his and he loves you uh, and he has a plan and a purpose for you. Your identity as a child of God, a son or daughter of God, has not changed. You are still his. And he loves you. He is with you. And I was really encouraged this week by that verse that, you know, he is with us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw, he is with us all the time. And, and so even when we feel like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm here with you. I'm your father and I'm with you. Our identity has not changed. And so our identity doesn't change. And also the other thing that doesn't change is the calling on our lives. The calling on our lives. 
we've looked at some of these before, but go back into Matthew chapter 22. So we go to verse 37. And Jesus is talking and he says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So something that hasn't changed is that God's great commandment is still applicable in our lives to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul and our mind. Because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose focus. I, I, I think there's a scripture that says, without a prophetic vision, the people perish. It's so important that in these days you are clear on what the purpose and calling of God on your life is. Because without it, we perish. Without it, we grow sick. Without it, we grow weary. But the reality is there is a prophetic vision of God for your life. There's a calling upon God for your life. There's a destiny of God for your life. And even if we just want to put it in this very simple terms, the calling of God in your life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. Are you taking the opportunity to do that in these days? You know, are you getting distracted? Have you become downhearted? I encourage you in these moments to stir your heart, to say, God, help me to love you. I want to love you with everything I've got. Where have I, where have I let that love grow cold and restore that love to him? And to love your neighbor as yourself. We've seen great feats of love going to our neighbor's maybe literally next door or those around us in our communities. And so that calling is still there. And maybe you're not able to get out. Maybe you're not able to be a delivery driver um, to take food to people, uh, things like that that we've heard about. But you, you have opportunities still to love people. And the risk, again, in these kind of situations, the risk for us is that we become self-absorbed, that we think it's all about me. I just need to look after myself. But the reality is some of your greatest healing, some of your greatest um, welfare is actually through loving others. If we just think of ourselves, we can get into this downward spiral. And God's saying, no, what's good for you is to look up first to, to him, look up to God, and then to look out, to love others. And so you're still sent in that way. You're sent to love other people. And that is represented if we go on a few chapters into Matthew 28. And verse 18 to 20, so we had the great commandment and then we have the great commission. And these are things we've heard about before, but it's really important that we remind ourselves that these things haven't changed, even in lockdown. So again, Jesus reminds us in verse 18, he said, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So let's not forget that first of all, that all authority is his. It's been given to him. He hasn't suddenly has had his authority usurped by someone else. He is not now under the authority of COVID-19. He's not under that, but he is over that. And we must remember that he has authority over all these things. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The call upon us is still there to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and some of the wonderful things we've got is the technology to do that. Even from our own, you know, our own living rooms, our own homes, we've got the opportunity to share the gospel with others through telephones, through computers, web conferencing, all these different things, making videos to share on YouTube, whatever it might be. We've got the opportunity to make disciples still. Even this week, I was, had the opportunity to go for a walk with someone in my community group, you know, some social distancing walking. And it was just still a great opportunity to make disciples. And, it, and I realized in my own life that I've been so busy with other things that some of these key callings of God on my life, and I believe on yours as well, I'd put those to the side. And I had to be reminded the call of God is still there to go and make disciples. And, and let's break that down. What it means is just to share the truth of God with others that they might grow. You know, in the book of Corinthians, it talks about the gifts that have been given to each one of us in the church. And the purpose of these gifts are for the equipping of the saints, for the building up of the church, to encourage one another. And so your gifting today, it hasn't gone. Your gifting hasn't gone. Now, maybe the, the mechanism that you previously used for your gifting, that's changed. But your gifting hasn't gone. And I really want to encourage you to think, okay, God, if my gifting is still in place, how do you want me to operate in these days? How do you want me to kind of still love others and, and encourage the church, build one another up? Because actually, again, it's by reaching out, serving one another, supporting one another, that actually we, we're blessed ourselves. Don't forget in the scripture, it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so which in whatever way you feel you can give, I encourage you, to keep giving in these days. And lastly, I want us to think about our destination. I'm going to head back into the book of Peter because um, one of the things that Peter would say to his, um, his readers was to, to look forward. Because again, you can look at your situation and sometimes, you know, our situations are dire. Now, I'll be honest with you, my situation right now is not dire. I, I'm living fine. I'm able to go to the shops. I'm able to go running and, and things like that. I'm, you say, I'm here now. I'm, I'm healthy. I've not suffered in this time. But I'm aware of others who are really going through difficulty. I've heard about people in education um, where they haven't got money to charge the laptop in order to do edu the education that they're being set from their school. I, I think about... Um, other people in different countries, and I was reading about people in India today, and they're, they're struggling, and they're just having bare minimum food, and even struggling to find that. So imagine that, that you're in this situation, and you're like, all I've got is a bit of rice. That's all I've got. Uh, and I don't know even when that, how that long that's going to last. There's real struggling to make ends meet. It was hard for them before. It's even harder now. And so people are really struggling. And so we're not making light of that in any way. And so you can look at your situation and think, is this what life is? Is this all I've got? And, and in these times, it's really important that we don't just look here and now, but we look forward. We look forward to what God is doing. And so, for example, if we, if we look in the book of 1 Peter 
Um, I'm going to read, where shall I read? Let's read from verse 6 in chapter 1. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if, ne if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So it's not saying, you know, it's all rosy, but, you know, for a while we're being grieved by these trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because there is going to come a day when Jesus is going to return. He's going to come for his church. And he's going to say, in those difficulties, did you still continue to praise me? Did you continue to look to me? And I think there's going to be a real outworking of our faith in this time that actually we found God in a deeper way. We found God to be more precious in this time. And, and as we continue to praise him, glorify him, honour him, that will glorify him when he returns. Even if we go back on in a bit further in the book uh, to chapter 5. And again, he says the same thing, verse 10. He says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God has not left you in this moment. God is with you, and he has this plan, and he has this purpose for you. And yes, we will suffer for a little while, some more than others. We're suffering, but God's grace is with us, and it is for all. And he has called you, and there's going to be this day he's calling you into his glory. And where we persist, where we remain faithful to him, we receive the rewards. We receive, you know, he even says like the crowns of glory that he gives to us. Now, this isn't what we're always doing it for. This isn't why we're serving God. But I think what he's trying to convey to us is that this temporary suffering is for a greater purpose. There is purpose in these times. Now, the purpose might be that you just draw, draw closer to God. The purpose might be that God wants to do something fresh in his church, and it's almost like pressing the restart button uh, on the church. Maybe there's something else. Who knows what God is doing? But he's saying, don't get overwhelmed by the, the moment of suffering, but continue to look forward. Say, God is going to do something through this, and one day we will see the glory of it. And so look forward, look forward to what God has for you in the future as well. One day, even that you will be with him. This is what God has for you. Don't forget that because it makes the perseverance in this time worthwhile that we might one day be with him, not turning our back on him and getting disheartened and, and not following his ways. Because again, the devil wants to destroy us. He wants to distract us. It says that in chapter 5 of Peter, that he is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And, and part of this is when we get that distraction, when we go off course, that's when we're vulnerable to him. And so I just feel there's a message for the church today. And, and really it's as simple as this. Nothing has changed in that sense. Your identity has changed. Your calling and your purpose has not changed. The mechanism is still there. It, sorry, the mechanism may have changed. How we outwork some of these things may have changed, but the calling is still there. So I challenge you to have a think about that. Think, okay, God, 
How do you want to use me today? God has a plan and a purpose for you in this time. And so don't look inwardly, but look outwardly. Because I think at its essence, that is what it means to be sent. When we think about that title that I shared with you at the beginning, what being sent in lockdown, just like Paul was not constrained by his chains, you are not constrained by your situation. That does not define you. But God has a plan and a purpose, and he wants to use you in this time. And so I want to encourage you, as I'm just going to close in prayer, that you might put your heart before God and say, God, how do you want to use me? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you do have a plan and a purpose for us. I thank you that your authority supersedes all others. There is nothing impossible for you. There is nothing unknown to you. In these days, you're not taken by surprise. You're not overwhelmed, but you are working through everything. And so I pray that you will just minister to our hearts right now, just as we come before you, that you would speak to us, reveal how we might continue to outwork your purposes in this new situation. Because in life, we know that we will find ourselves in many different situations, but you can always still work in them. And so will you just speak to our hearts now as we just have a moment just before you, that you will speak to our hearts about what you might want us to do. I'm just reminded of the words of Jesus Christ. When he was just a young boy in Jerusalem. And he said, I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And we are the sons and daughters of God. And I want that to be just the word maybe that sits with you at this moment. I must be about my father's business. And that you would accept that for yourself and step into that and move in that in these coming days and weeks. I pray you receive that now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. And I hope this word has been a blessing to you. And I will see you soon.